Hello? 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 What's up? Hold on. Up? This app is telling me it says to merge the calls. Okay, I merged them. So, oh, <laughs> we should be good. I hope we're good. I swear to God, we're not good. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. How do you feel for a seal? Feel for a seal. I feel smelly for a seal because I smelled a lot of smelly seals today. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What kind of smelly seal? How are you? How do you feel for a seal? How, how do I feel? I feel good for a seal. Feel good for a seal. Welcome to Porpoiseode whatever. I never know what episode it is. Isn't it like 15? I don't 15? even know what day it is. 15 or 16. <laughs> Wow. Has it really been that many? How did this happen? I don't know. Bro, we literally doubled the amount of listeners on the last episode with Gary Sutton. And really? Cassidy. Yeah. Nice. Like, the amount of total listeners we usually get in a week doubled for his episode. There's been a couple episodes I've noticed that have, like, like it's pretty steady as far as the increase in number of listeners as far as, like, the timeline that things came out. But, like, his and then the one with Adam Demansky, like, skyrocketed. And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a good interview. Yeah. We, um, <laughs> uh, having already tried to record this four episode, and now we're recording it again, we kind of talked about it. But the I like that the big takeaway we both had from it was, like, that cautious, that that concept of cautious optimism. Mhm. Um, yeah. We kind of talked about that when we were recording it last time, but um, I like that you know they they do have that that hope for the seven residents because they have been foraging in other places now and trying to adapt to having that lack of salmon in their summer core habitat, the inner Salish Sea. But I mean, with that optimism, you can't just sit back and not do anything. You still have to act. You got to make sure that they're they're gonna find salmon and they're gonna have a place that they can live and be happy and be healthy so yeah I definitely agree um because you know I think the cautious optimism is good because you have that balance of action and hope and I think that if you are lacking one or the other then you're not as strong or we are just generally not as strong when trying to get things done I think that that is true for a lot of you know things in a variety of aspects of life is like you know you have to hold the faith but also be able to put the work in at the same time so you know if we're putting in the work and sitting there and being like oh that you know the southern residents are going to die they're going to die well you're just not going to be like as motivated and it's just not going to happen you know Um, Mm -hmm. and I feel like you're you know people are more motivated when they think that there will be success in the end and so I think having that optimism you know, I like I think that we can be successful in saving them. It's just we all have to work together. The the main theme and the main issue that I keep seeing is that people hold their stake in like one issue and they're like, Oh, it's the salmon, it's the whale watch boats, it's like parabens and whatnot. However, it's all of those things, you know, and when we start fighting with one another we don't get anything done. Um, so again, just urging people to, you know, approach these situations and conversations with compassion and understanding and and just knowing that, that this is a variety of things, not just one. Because when we start turning on each other, then who do we have? No one. Absolutely. I totally agree on that. Yeah. But overall, I thought that was, like, a, you know, a good um, episode. They definitely, like, have, like, a cool perspective. I really love Tadley's art. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've noticed that, a, like, there are a lot of people that are in the marine science field that also like to do art. And it's interesting because she had mentioned, I asked her, you know, what do you think makes, like, a dolphin person a dolphin person? And she had said it's kind of just in you. And I kind of agree with her. Um, and too. I think that that could be part of, like, the dolphin person personality is to, like, also be artistic. I don't know. <laughs> it could be. could be. We could might have to take a poll. Take a poll, survey, yeah. what makes a dolphin person a dolphin person. Yep. Yep. Anywho, cool. um, so we did get one question this week. Um, and it was, we, so we haven't gotten a lot of questions. We got like three questions, and this question is from my dad, who, keep in mind, is the same person that has called to ask me if frogs have watertight buttholes or not. And <laughs> you know, when we first recorded this, concluded that they probably do but like also there's how did you describe it like they they have like this type of skin where because they breathe through their skin I don't remember the the word for it basically like they operate through osmosis and so maybe it's not as watertight as maybe like neoprene or rubber or anything like that you know what I mean cool so, Dad, if you're listening, which I don't think you've listened to a single episode, this is for you. Now you know. Um, but he asked, that was not the question, he asked me if whales hibernate. And to that, the answer is no. no. Whales do not hibernate because they are conscious breathers. They um, have to be aware in order to come up and breathe. Their breathing is not automatic. It's not intrinsic. Um, but they have something called unihemispherical sleep where they sleep with half of their brain functioning and the other half is resting. Um, and that is because they are conscious breathers. So if whales became unconscious and tried to hibernate for several months, they would all die. They would drown. They would drown. (laughs) Whales, yes, whales can drown. Um, yep. So, (laughs) yep. Perfect. We love these questions. We want more of these questions. Yes. Even if they seem silly, like maybe you don't know, maybe maybe somebody else doesn't know either. So like always ask questions because the more the more you know, the more somebody else is going to know too later down the line. For sure, and I you know any single like every time that I go out with a different naturalist or a different person in the field, even if we study the same thing or have the same interests, I learn something new from each and every person. So it's like. You know, not everyone's going to know everything, even if you think it's a silly question. Like, Ellie and I might not know the answer, and we could learn from it, too. So, ask questions, all that mm-hmm. jazz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think this week we're going to talk about narwhals. Narwhals! Narwhals! Do you like narwhals? She's just upset with me right now. Because she's manipulative and because she's manipulative. We just came back from the beach, so it's dumb. It's actually really quite cute. Peaches, um, this is like a sidebar, and then we'll talk about narwhals. So Peaches, um, we went to college in Florida, and so she grew up going to the beach. And then we moved to Washington and Arizona, where there was, well, Washington has beaches, but not like the sandy beaches. And the last two days in a row, I've taken Peach to the beach, and she's lost <laughs> it every single time. She can't handle herself. She doesn't know what to do. She literally ran for like a mile. I was like, okay. Oh, my goodness. So now she's tired, but she was just mad because I wasn't petting her. So. Well, there you go. What do you mean understandable? (laughs) She literally needs your attention 24, like literally 
literally you are her She's emotional obsessed with <laughs> You are her are her emotional support animal. <laughs> ridiculous. Ridiculous. Horrible. She, she literally sat on the floor last night and cried for like 30 minutes because I wanted to look at her. <laughs> I looked at her and I picked her up and I pat her and then she stopped crying. I was like, are you kidding me right now? Pet mom. mom, you need to pet me, please. You need to pet me. I don't know what it is. But, yeah, I'm petting her right now, so we'll be fine. Of course you are. <laughs> She's sitting right next to me. What else am I supposed to do? <laughs> Sit on her. <laughs> Sit on Peaches. Uh, Tell her to get lost. Get lost, Peaches. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to. Um, I, you know, I. it's funny because I, you know, I need her to be a little bit more disciplined, and she's getting better at it because I think I feel bad. Whenever we move, I think she thinks that I'm going to leave because I will, like, randomly leave her with my family for longish periods of time. And I feel like she's scared that I'm going to leave her. So I feel bad that I, like, oh created this complex. But also, I'm like, I don't want you to be a little bitch. So, like, grow up, peaches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, my God. Just, like, bully her a little bit to give her some character. <laughs> you know? Actually, Peach is really not lacking character at all. She probably has a little too much. She has way too much. What do you mean? <laughs> Okay, now that we've talked about pieces for five minutes or however long, narwhals! Narwhals! The sea unicorns! My brother told me he was like, the narwhals are absolutely unicorns that are hidden inside of the melon of the the whale, and they just live in there. And I'm like, that's false, but okay. That sounds super painful, by the way. Yeah, that would not be cute. No, it does not. But... Narwhals are Arctic whales, meaning that they live um, in the Arctic waters, so North Pole area as opposed to South Pole, um, because Arctic and Antarctic are different. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you what? Did you Did you know that Arctic and Antarctic are names describing place with bears and place without bears? What? Yeah, Arctic Arctos is Greek for bear. Yeah, and Antarctos is no without bear. bears. Yeah, that's no bears. wild. Yeah, that makes sense because I—that's where I saw polar bears was in the Arctic. Mm-hmm. So polar bears don't live in Antarctica. No, no bears. So people know. Also, penguins do not live in the Arctic, and so penguins and polar bears will never be photographed together unless, like, for some reason, climate change just gets way out of hand. And shit just hits the fan, and I don't know. But as of today, January 4th, 5th, 6th, I don't know, 2019, 5th, penguins and polar bears don't live together. Gang, gang. But there are killer whales that eat penguins, just a fun fact in there. But, yes, narwhals. So narwhals, um, they have a singular tooth. And that is their horn. That is their only tooth. And I will let yeah. Ellie talk about it because yeah. she did some sweet research. Yeah, I did actually did do a little more reading on that. And I guess, like, technically they have teeth, but they don't erupt from the gum line ever. Oh. Except when they have their tusks. So they've got, like, like proto-teeth underneath their gums. And then, what like... What is the purpose of that? Or the porpoise? The porpoise? The porpoise of the tusk... Uh, is usually, where is it? 
usually like it's like detect water temperature and like yeah yeah yeah, that's what it was yeah like like differences in in pressure and temperature and it's also used in like socialization Mm -hmm. um not necessarily sparring a lot of people thought for a long time that narwhals used their tusks to spar and they i don't think they really do all that much actually Mm -hmm. um but they will they will do this like crossing of their tusks when they come out of the water and it's supposedly some sort of um socialization behavior we don't really know too much about it other than that but but because narwhals are mysterious animals they are they they aren't very well studied and they recently like in like the last five years have determined what their tusk is used for so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of you know we know a lot of things about animals but like i you know i keep bringing this up because you know, we learn more and more all the time. And in the broad scheme of things, we haven't studied these animals that long. So our understanding of them is changing constantly because, you know, we're finding new information. We're spending more time, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, also, don't, isn't it just the males that have the tusks? Yes. Just every now and again, like a female will produce like too much testosterone and then she'll like have like a little mm. tusk that'll uh, protrude. Also, mm-hmm. there it, it's usually the what is it the left tusk that comes out um, every now and again. It'll be the right tusk because since they have like two sides, two two sides of their um, dent, dentition, um, and then every like once in a blue moon you'll get a narwhal with two tusks, and Amazing. depending on depending on which side of the mouth it came out of, it will be left spiraled or it'll be right spiraled. A messing. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Um, we love narwhals. We're we're trying to figure out if they use photo ID on these guys, and we're gonna assume that yes. Um, and photo ID is essentially just a way that scientists are able to identify individual animals in a non-invasive way. It's typically used through photography, and we can use it on a variety of animals. Essentially what you do is, you know, there are plenty of animals that have a unique pattern or coloration on their skin, and you can take a photograph and compare it. So with dolphins, you know, we we look at their fins. Um, But you can look at Gila monsters, I believe tapirs, um, zebras, uh, tigers, all of those animals have unique markings, like that are to them that you can um, determine who the individuals are. And this is a much easier and safer way than, you know, per se, maybe trying to like tag an animal or something like that. It's less invasive, less expensive, et cetera. Like lower Mm -hmm. risk for both the human and the animal to get the information. Yes. Yes. Let me see. I believe uh narwhals i guess used to be hunted by the native peoples and i think still are to some degree in the Mm. arctic circle um for their food for their oil and for their ivory and i guess the skin especially is considered a delicacy they call it maktak um Mm. yeah you know that's really interesting um do you know if the if the native people are still legally allowed to hunt them I think under some provisions under the Canadian and the American government, they are. I guess it wouldn't be the American government because they're not far, because it's the the east side of the, Mm -hmm. it's in the Atlantic for the most part. Well, I guess they get seen sometimes in Alaska, but it's very rare. Um, 
But I think, yeah, the Icelandic and the, the Canadian governments have like little allotments for, for Native peoples. But I think it's, I think it would probably be a lot like here in the United States where it's like a once a year kind of thing. Where, where like they have one like short period of time to take and then they have to leave them alone for the rest of the year. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think it's a very interesting concept. The idea of, of culture, um, I, like just in my field of study, because I went to Eckerd and studied abroad and whatnot, I, you know, we often have like human wildlife con- conflict and there's always a lot of controversy around letting humans uphold traditions, like especially native people um, in regards to animals. And, you know, I personally think that we, we need to respect those native cultures because they've been so obliterated by mainly white people and Europeans forever on a variety of continents. However, you know, it's, I, you know, I like to see the limitations, but at the same time, like, it's just like controversial. It's just kind of sticky because you don't want to take away those, you know, those things that are culturally significant and traditional, but at the same time, you know, these animals are being exploited and whatnot. Um, Oh, absolutely. But that being said, you know, a lot of Native American cultures, um, we've seen, a, you know, a lot of respect, like, traditionally for animals, like, using every piece of the animal and then, like, you know, thanking them and doing rituals and ceremonies. So, yeah, it just depends. I, I definitely think if we look at cultures, sustainability is more or more embedded in those Native cultures rather than, like, say, European or, or modern American cultures where it's, it's take, 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 make as much money as you possibly can without really giving any consideration to the effects of that take. Um, I do think for Arctic people specifically, um, being that there's not a lot that grows above the Arctic Circle, um, that's kind of up until, like, the modern age came around, that was their only way of really feeding themselves and clothing themselves is taking marine mammals. Um so I think people really do have to have consideration for that sort of thing. Um, it, it, I mean, it's deeply embedded in their culture and for us to ask them to change because, I mean, ultimately, like, if there white are... white exploited shit, yeah. Yeah, like, if there are far fewer whales out there in the world, it is because of this this European attitude of, of well, we just got to take everything and make as much money as we can in the short term and screw everybody else. So yeah. I can't remember where I heard this. I like I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently because I drove across the country. I put like five thousand miles on my car. Um, but um, somebody like somebody was quoting someone else, and they said, you know, the issue is that you know white like it was like a um, a native person speaking, and they said, you know, white men like they they think with their head, and then we think with, and he like pointed to his heart and. You know, I think that that's a really interesting concept um, because I do think it's, you know, in European or American sort of um, colonialization, we do see a lot of that, like, oh, like, let's, you know, do things logic-based, like, for our survival sort of thing, but, Mm -hmm. you know, ultimately just throwing ethics out the window or consideration for others. And, you know, we need the balance between logic and emotion and I think that you know once we get too logical then you're just harming other people and that's not right you know and I think it's just difficult because with ethics so many people have different moral codes and standings and reasonings behind their beliefs 
Um, but, you know, it's something that should be talked about because I think that we've gotten so far away from considering the emotional side of things that, yeah. you know, it's just like logic is just like constantly in the way, you know. I absolutely agree with that. I actually was just reading an article last night about how they were they were talking about touch starvation. And Americans are actually some of the most touch-starved people in the world. And I feel like that is because we try and really remove ourselves emotionally from, 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 our, from our surroundings, from each other, from, from everything, because we are so hell-bent on doing things logically. And, and, yeah. and do, yeah. So. I, I definitely, like, I, I believe those statistics, but I, have, I was somebody that was raised German Catholic in the Midwest, and it's very much like logic and you know, you make decisions based on pretty much finances alone and, like, you know, feelings don't matter. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps and just, like, get it done and be headstrong. And, you know, I – that, you know, those traditions kind of carry into the South, which is where I spend a lot of my time. But, you know, the more Western states that I spend my time in, I see that the culture is a little bit different and that you guys are more expressive of your emotions. And I, it has kind of, in the last few months, made me a little bit more open to that. And having been somebody that was, like, strictly logic, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, like, whatever sort of mindset to come and be around people who are, like, very, a lot more in touch with their emotions, but also, like, touchy in general, mm-hmm. I, I feel like my stress levels have decreased. And I noticed this, like, this, I noticed it with you the first time I was, like, you know, at least somebody that I, I've been able to be really open with, but, you know, like I'm somebody that will keep my problems to myself or at least historically that's how I've been. And she was like, nah, you can like tell me. And I did and I felt better. And it's, it's crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I really think it's something that doesn't feel right. And you like your body is having a physiological response to stress or to something being too much. It probably is like, I genuinely don't think that humans or animals or whoever like are, you know, obviously suffering is a part of life. And I think that, suffering is is how we learn you know and how we learn to appreciate things however I don't think that the degree to which humans suffer and the amount of suffering that occurs among species and you know whatnot everywhere I don't think that the amount of people or how much um is is right or natural you know yeah it's not justified it's not and there's no need because there's more than enough resources for us to take care of each other on this planet. And, you know, you may get pushed back from people saying, like, you know, everybody should send for themselves or this or that or whatever. But I think most people have received a little bit of help along the way. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, you should pay it forward. And, yeah. you know, we need to take better care of our planet and better care of our people. And, like, and just, like, recognizing, like, just, like, taking the time to recognize that emotions played a role in in the environment or in our culture, I think can be a relief for some people because I don't think it's natural to just constantly deny emotions. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm saying this and I only share this because somebody else may benefit from hearing it. Like I don't, I I don't share for any other reason, but you know, once you kind of let go of that, you, I, you could, life is just easier. It's smoother, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, we are a social species. Humans are very social animals. And that's kind of why we always ask, like, 
what do you think we can learn from the whales? Because whales are also a social species and, and they're constantly touching each other and they're near each other and they're constantly in communication and constantly taking care of each other. And, and that's how humans really at their best are as well. And I think people really ought to take away from that uh, to deny that. Well, yeah, to deny that part of ourselves is, is to deny ourselves happiness. Yes. And also, you know, I think a big driving force in the reason why people have, have stricken away from that is, be, is just the idea of hierarchies, you know? Mm-hmm. If you go into a room, you know, and you meet somebody new and you just, or an animal or something, if you're just in the presence of another being, just viewing yourself as neither above them or less than them, like to every person in your life, that makes communication easier, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And that's kind of an idea that I got from Tara Brock, um, who she was a psychologist and a Buddhist, and she, you know, was talking about that. But, you know, I noticed there are some people that I want to talk to on this podcast, and I get nervous, like, and I'm like, oh, like, they're this or that or whatever. And, like, and then they're, like, the nicest people, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I just had that one of my coworkers is, like, new coworkers is very, like, successful and good at things and I was kind of nervous I was like oh this person is very legit and then like I was like intimidated and then he was like the nicest person ever so it's just you know if you start to view people like if you take away that hierarchy you know then you I think can be more in touch with like your emotions and connecting to people. And at the end of the day, I feel that we're so disconnected from our environment and from one another. And that the way that we're going to solve all of our, our issues is to reconnect with our communities and reconnect with our planet. Honestly, mm-hmm. the amount of people that agree. are scared of bugs or going outside or dirt or getting dirty. And I used to be kind of, I mean, I didn't used to be one of those people, but I, I fell into that cultural norm. Like I would be scared of snakes or sharks or whatever and, like, obviously have caution around animals that have more tendency to, to be aggressive or hostile. But, like, you know, you can just sit in the presence of a rattlesnake and be fine. Y'all are probably just going to be chilling. It's not going to just, like, come up and attack you, unlikely, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Know. I absolutely but, agree. Absolutely. Problem. Mm-hmm. He's just looking at me. So cute. Goodness gracious. It's I'm glad that he's a dog and not a person because he just oh, absolutely would have, like, she's, like, Loki a fascist. I, I think it's karmic that she was put with, like, like such liberal humans and has to meet <laughs> so many different people and live so many different lives. She just lived in four states now. Yeah. And she graduated college. She's married. You know, Eckerd has a pet graduation. That's how she graduated college. Eckerd also is weird. So, and, you know, primarily white, like white people shit, make your dogs get married, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. So, she's a full length. But, you know, Peach is a fascist. She's, she's, it's karmic because she's so small. She's, she's so, so small and she needs help getting around. <laughs> She needs, she needs attention. She needs love. <laughs> and she can't talk, and she can't tell you that she hates everything. And and it's it's, it's perfect karma. <laughs> perfect karma. 
we've come up with a lot of different personas for Peach, and I think Anna's is the most on brand. She's like, Peach is just like this 40 year old Czech cigarette woman. <laughs> just like sitting just there like with this her trophy wife. Yes, just like in leopard print complaining with her Chardonnay. <laughs> like, but also is disgusting. <laughs> Peach just literally ate another animal's poop today. <laughs> no, ma'am. <laughs> like she acts like she can't jump up on the bed and she needs to be lifted up and then sits there and eats somebody else's poop. <laughs> or rolls in it. <laughs> oh my god there was one time it was so bad so ellie and i were at the beach that was on our work and um my coworkers were taking me home and they had a dog and you know we get in the car and it smells terrible and we're like oh my god nelly and peaches what happened <laughs> like why do you guys smell this bad so they go to drop me off it's nighttime peaches jumps out of the car and then I'm, like, just, like, talking to them for a second. And the smell kind of goes away. And I was, like, like okay. And then we look in the headlight. And Peach was completely covered in literal otter shit. Just, like, God. Her her, looking at me, happy as she could be. I'm like, how do you get pushed around in a stroller and have people like hand feed you and like act like a diva and then turn around and roll in some goddamn otter shit? How do you do that? Who do you think you are? Because she's manipulative. She's a manipulation. You know what? That's all she wanted. Ultimately, she did it because she wanted you to put her in the bath and have you pay attention to her. That's what it was. She hates the bath. She doesn't like baths unless I, like, run them before and I put bubbles in a bath bomb in it, which we didn't do because people who roll in otter shit don't deserve that. (laughs) People who are dogs. Yes. Goodness gracious. Yes. Um, so, Graham, you got a gram on the gram? I got gram on the gram. Orca Watcher. Mm. Orca Watcher is run by Monica Whalen Shields. She does, she has been doing this thing where she tries to do a picture a day. Um, so she'll do, like, like, at the end of the year, it was, like, 363 out of 365. And it's usually, like, really cool stuff. Like, she, she sees a lot of cool things. She was up on Vancouver Island recently. Uh, looking at looking at birds, wild birds, I think. But she's got a really cool she's got a really cool um, Instagram. And she Monica Whalen Shields is uh, the author of one of the books that Erica and I have read, The Endangered Whales. Um, and then Endangered she also Orca. Endangered Orca, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And then she and then she runs the Orca Behavior Institute, which is a really cool research operation out here in the San Juan Islands. Nice. So she's a really cool lady. Yeah. That's what I got. Amazing. Amazing. Um, well, thanks for joining us and listening to us ramble. And um, also, sorry that the episodes have been late and or non-existent. I have been moving across the country, and Ellie has been holding down the sorted orcas, and it has been a struggle, to say the least. Um, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I – have struggled with perfectionism and have had to kind of give that up recently Um, because I feel like I can't preach like hey you know do what's good for you but then also like force myself to produce and edit these podcasts 
when I'm literally driving for several for 17 hours in a day, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so take care of yourself. Go look at a whale. Go outside. Make a happy friend, new year. Give someone a hug. Happy new year. Hope you got 2020 vision. If not, get some glasses. Okay. <laughs> gang, gang. All right, and then reach out to us, please, on Facebook, Instagram, and our discussion forum on breachingextinction.com. We want to hear from you. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye.